Hey, listen, um, I'm still tired. I'm just letting y'all know. Um, I haven't recovered yet. It takes longer to recover when you're over, I don't know, 20 from youth camp. <laughs> um, just as we're going to get started this morning, this is Josiah. <laughs> I'm making him talk this morning. He's super excited about it. <laughs> but um, we just got back on Friday evening from Youth America, and um, I have to say, first off, thank you to my pastors for giving me the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, I, I can't really explain how significant it is to be a part of a church family that have pastors that not only believe in the next generation, but believe in and empower women and young women to lead and follow the callings of God on their life. Um, I, I can't tell you how significant that that is. And so I'm thankful to my pastors and for their support. We have to give a special shout out. Listen, here's the thing. Every year at, at youth trips, getting a van and securing transportation is the most difficult thing. And every year it seems like it's going to go so smoothly. And yet I always know in the back of my mind, this year I had booked a van, I had two vans, we had 21 total people going with us to camp this year, which is awesome. Every year we have grown in numbers of kids that were taken with us to camp. And um, I had two wonderful 24-year-old intelligent women ready to help me drive vans, told they could drive a van since they were 24, only to find out when we arrived that someone was confused and you have to be 25. Now, if we had gone to camp next week, we'd have been good because Kaylee would be 25 next week. <laughs> but last week, she was not. <laughs> so as I stood there in all my displeasure, trying to remember I had just left church last Sunday and to keep the fruits of the Spirit, as my pastor had talked about, uh-huh, I should have known right then when he was preaching on the fruits of the Spirit that it was going to be a rough afternoon. So as we were standing at Enterprise and I was trying to figure out how I'm going to get 21 kids to camp with only me being able to drive, Pastor Prentice was standing next to me, and he said, I'll go. <laughs> so, for the second time, Pastor Prentice has been the oldest person at Youth America. <laughs> no, but he did, and I'm really thankful that he drove a van all the way there and did that for us to make sure that our kids got there. It is an all-hands-on-deck thing for our next generation, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So I have asked Josiah, and I know he'll be quick because he's a boy and he doesn't like to get in front of people, to share just something really quickly about what God did in his life and his experience at camp this week. Um, well, it was, uh, it was really good. Like, I really enjoyed being with the boys. I think, I feel like we all grew closer through the week. As we did last year, we got really close, and the Holy Spirit was just there this this week. I mean, last year was there, but this year I feel like it really hit us all a lot harder, and I just really enjoyed it. Some of y'all that have been here with me for a long time know hearing that deep voice come out of that little boy we remember as a baby was a little strange to hear, right? Yeah. 
Listen, I'm, I'm just thankful to be here. And our, our kids, we've had a wonderful experience. One of the reasons I go to Youth America, though, is because it pours into our leaders. And Kaylee and Abigail and Jacob, who went with me, man, I just know that their lives were poured into so much as well. And I'm just excited to share with you a little tidbit of what um, I feel like was imparted into us this week that I want to then come back and impart into you. So we're sticking with our theme of the epistles. And I'm going to start out by reading in Ephesians chapter 1. Two verses, 22 and 23, is where we're really just going to kind of hone in today on what God has to say to us. I'm going to read it in two versions, first in the NIV and then in the message version. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says, And God placed all things, all things, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Say the church. The church. Next verse which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's read this in the message really quickly, the same two verses. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Can we pray real quick? Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person that is here. God, we thank you for the impartation of your Holy Spirit that you poured out upon our next generation over these past several weeks of, of Kids Camp and Youth America. We thank you for that impartation. And God, we just pray today that you would continue to impart and pour out your Spirit to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, I want to talk today about um, our hometown. I started to call my message Hometown Swag, and then I thought the old people may not just get it whatsoever. So the title of my message today is Just Hometown hometown. How many people in here, you grew up in Jackson, graduated from a school here in Jackson? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I graduated from Northside, class of 2000. Still got my Northside blanket that I took to the football games, right? And when I was in Jackson, there were three schools. It was Northside, JCM, and Southside. Anybody JCM? Okay. All right. Anybody Southside? All right. Yep. See? Okay. Listen, it was for real. At the Rock on a Friday night, if Northside was playing JCM, or let me tell you, right, you had to rep your school, right? It's a little harder to do in Jackson now because there's so many schools, but back then, that, it was a big thing that you repped your hometown. Now, listen, when we go to Youth America every year, the first night they do this whole thing, and they have people stand up to holler for their state, right? Okay? And uh, let me just tell you that even though we are in Oklahoma, they are not the loudest. Anybody have a guess on which state is the loudest? Texas. See, who knew? Y'all knew, right? Texas. They do, they do too much. Texas people. They, they got their own thing going down there. But let me tell you, when, they, when the little map lights up Texas before they can even say all the Texas people are out of their seat, right? And when you meet people from Texas, you know that they're from Texas, right? Because usually they let you know within the first few minutes. They want you to know that. Like it's significant to know that they're from there, right? But listen, when you are from a certain place, you sound like and even kind of look like you're from that place, right? My friends Josh and Carrie live in Nashville. They look Nashville, right? When they come to Jackson, you can spot a Nashville person from a mile away in Jackson. You're like, mm-hmm, you're not from around here, <laughs> right? Nashville people have a look 
to them, right? Memphis people, everybody has their own. Listen, you look and sound like your hometown, okay? My aunt Vicky, who's from North Carolina, man, that North Carolina accent is so rich on certain words. They're just certain words that when she says scared, I just, it's North Carolina, it just oozes out of her, right? Listen, we look like and sound like where we are from. I promise you. My mom grew up in northern Illinois, and um, she's lived in the south for a very long time. But if she's on the phone for more than five minutes to her sister in Rockford, Illinois, you, you hear her voice change on the phone. She starts talking, and then it changes. And all of a sudden, she's back in her hometown accent, right? Because it's ingrained in us. It's, it's part of who we are, where we are from. Well, listen, at Union University, I always thought it was crazy. We had these UU ambassadors. These were like the kids that were really on it. I was not part of this group. <laughs> these were the kids with real majors. Mine was theater, not part of the group. Um, and they also were the ones who had really good GPAs, so also not part of that group. Um, but <laughs> the, my parents, see, they, like, they, they can laugh about it now. Not so much my freshman year of college. They weren't laughing so much. Um, but the UU ambassadors were these really, like, put-together union students. They had these red polo shirts that said UU on them. And when incoming students, potential students, would come to campus, these were the kids that they would have show them around, Right. And they generally didn't come to the theater or the art department because, well, we are not <laughs> exactly. We were like the barefoot kids who were like, you know, spinning flags and talking in tongues outside. And so we didn't really get shown off very much. But the UU ambassadors, they embodied the vision of union, right? They embodied what it meant to be a union student. And they were chosen to show people around the campus so that other people would then see what they had. And listen, they had it memorized. What is the mission of Union University? What is our goal, our aim? They had it all together. They were ambassadors, and they embodied the vision of union. I was not part of that group, but I did know them and recognize them. So listen, today, I want to talk about Jesus' true hometown, which is not Nazareth, in case you didn't know. Jesus' true hometown was heaven. That's where, he, that's where he lived. In fact, he had spent an eternity beyond what we could imagine there before he came to earth. Earth was kind of like his stopover, <laughs> you know? It was like, the, like Jackson is the Cracker Barrel stop between Memphis and Nashville. Earth was just a stopover for Jesus. It wasn't where he lived. And so when he came to earth, he, he didn't fit in. <laughs> it was probably pretty clear he was not around from around here, Right? Don't you think when you met him? You're not from around here, are you? That was his hometown. His hometown was heaven, the kingdom of God. God, he brought his hometown swag down here to earth. So listen, he carried the attributes of his hometown with him here. He carried the attributes of love and hope and humility and grace and mercy and healing and freedom. He carried the attributes of his hometown with him here to earth. The kingdom of God was his hometown. He came and brought all those attributes down here to earth for a minute for us. So the question I want to ask you today is what address, what hometown are you posting? What, what hometown are you representing? What do your words and actions, what hometown do they embody? Because it's simple, it's easy to embody the vision of this world. It's easy to embody and to live out the mission of the world. 
it is a whole different and foreign thing to live out the mission and the embodiment of the kingdom of God here on earth. It's, let me tell you, if you embrace the kingdom of God, you are not from around here. If you embrace love and healing and freedom and hope and mercy and grace, you are not from around here. You are not from this world because this world is not filled with love and mercy and grace and healing and freedom. This world is filled with bondage and corruption and condemnation and heaviness and a false sense of identity. So listen, when you embody the kingdom of God in your life, you are not from around here. And so what I want to encourage you with and what I feel like our kids were imparted to this week is about the kingdom of God is our true home. Now listen, here in Jackson, Tennessee, if you go to mail something, it goes through Memphis. Don't y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. I can mail something to my mama two streets over. It's going to take four days for it to get there because they got to take it all the way to Memphis before they bring it back to Jackson, right? It gets rerouted. I've had my mother-in-law like quit mailing us stuff. I've had her try to send it to other people because the creative ways that we get mail right now is, is, is interesting because it's rerouted through somewhere else. So listen, here's the thing. What we have to realize as people who are living in the kingdom of God is that everything that comes to us and through us has to be rerouted through our hometown. So whatever the world throws at us can't just come directly to us. We have to reroute it through the kingdom of God. And whatever comes out of us has to be rerouted through the kingdom of God. Listen, at Enterprise, I forgot to reroute some of my thoughts and my actions through the kingdom of heaven as I was interacting with a very nice young man who I apologized to and may still bring Starbucks to as we were dealing with the van situation. I forgot to reroute, okay? But so listen, I heard a guy this week said, when you're preaching intense, let people know you're not angry. You just really need to hear this message yourself. So you trying to get intense with yourself. So listen, if I preach intense today, I'm not angry at you. I'm trying to talk to myself today because I need to remember where my hometown is. And as I am dealing with a crazy person who is also having a bad day, I need to reroute before I open my mouth, right? Because I've got to have the attributes of my hometown. So what are the attributes of my hometown? Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Jesus teaches us how to pray. This would be the answer to a lot of our questions. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, if we prayed like that, it would reroute a lot of situations. Because I want things my way. I don't, if you know me well, try not to laugh too hard. But I like things to go my way. Okay? Generally, I know the right way, so it makes sense, right, for things to go my way. I'm just saying. So I've always liked things to go my way. Right? My husband is doing so good of keeping a straight face. He's just taking notes, not nodding his head too much. But listen, I like things to go my way. Okay? But what we have to realize and understand is it's whose kingdom and whose kingdom is supposed to be coming to earth. Not my kingdom, but his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me tell you, my way is probably not the way it would be done in heaven. That's not the same way. 
So I've got to begin every day. I loved when Pastor Jeremy shared a couple of weeks ago about his statements that he prays or speaks over himself in the morning about how he will be a good father and a good husband and about how he will live according to the word of God. And he speaks those over himself. And what that really comes down to is praying that our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth today as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, God, bring it here today. I'm starting my day by acknowledging where I'm from. Where I'm from. Some of y'all know what it means to have home training because you would go put someplace in public and you would act a fool and your mama would remind you, uh, you have home training and that is not how we act. Right? Act like you got some training. Listen, I don't think God's trying to grab us by the ear like our mama might have done and remind us of our home training, but I really feel like he's trying to grab our hearts today and grab our souls today and remind us of where we're from, remind us of where our hometown is, remind us that we are not from this place. We are only here for a brief moment, and our job is to take as many people with us and to reroute as many lives through his hometown as possible so that in eternity we're not standing up there missing people. I want many people to be from my hometown. I want as many people as possible. So let's look at how Jesus displayed some attributes we sound and look like where we come from. In 1 Peter, some little letters that were wrote, written, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And, and this, so you know, verses 9 and 10, this is the mission statement of Glare Youth. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You realize that, that it, when it says a chosen people and a holy nation, it's talking about your hometown. It's talking about that you are a part of the kingdom of God. Now listen, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you did not have a hometown, now you have the kingdom of God. Once you were wandering and you were not a part of a people, but now you are a part of the kingdom of God. You're not wandering anymore. And you have been chosen to do this that you may declare the praises of him. Listen, let's not get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. I love, listen, I love some Christian music as much as the next person. In fact, that's pretty much all I listened to growing up, okay? Some of y'all don't know who Keith Green is, but I know the Vargises are hanging with me on this. <laughs> Keith Green, right? Listen, I, I grew up on some Keith Green music, okay? I grew up listening to nothing but church music, right? My dad was a youth pastor. Both of my grandparents were pastors. There was nothing I could do but listen to church music. It was all that was around me. It was all I heard. And it filled this sound in my ear. But we can get so heavenly minded sometimes. And don't get me wrong. I love songs like I could only imagine, right? Or this, I say that. I, I, it's played out. It's good. Um, but listen, I, guys, I get it. Heaven's going to be great. But I can't spend my time here on earth worried about what heaven's going to look like. I got to worry about what earth looks like. I got to worry about what, what the kingdom of heaven here on earth looks like. And I can imagine heaven down the road, but I cannot get so focused on heaven that I forget that I'm supposed to be doing good here so that more people get to heaven with me. 
Listen, we cannot be so focused on, oh, there will be no more crying. There will be no more weeping for you. But what about for the person next to you? You're going to experience it, but what about them? What is the sound that Jesus spoke? He spoke life. He spoke healing. He spoke love. He spoke life. We have got to sound like heaven to people around us. The words that we speak have to sound so foreign that it's almost as if we have the accent. You don't talk like other people. No, I do not because I'm not from around here. I'm not from around here. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overwhelmed because I'm not from around here. I have life inside me. I have hope inside me. When somebody speaks of a diagnosis that they have and you look at them and you say, I am believing for your healing. That's not going to sound like everybody else that they hear because other people are going to speak death and that diagnosis means the end and that means, you know, they don't have much time left. Listen, I'm not from around here. Where I'm from, we speak life. Where I'm from, we speak healing. Where I'm from, we speak hope over a generation. Where I'm from, let me tell you something. People are saying that young people are leaving the church in droves. Let me tell you something. They are not leaving Jesus in droves. I'm going to tell you, I was just spent a whole week. There's going to be seven weeks of Youth America. We were at the first one. By the end of this summer, over 5,000 young people from over 250 churches across the country are going to have spent a whole week at Youth America in Oklahoma City being filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied to and encouraged in the Lord. Listen, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for Youth America. They have expanded and expanded. They, they can't even keep, the summer's not long enough for them to keep up with the demand of people who want to bring their kids there. So pray for them. But let me tell you something. When you know that in one city, in Oklahoma, one city, over 5,000 young people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. I do not speak death over this generation because I don't care what the world has to say. Where I'm from, I know that this generation has purpose. This generation has potential. This generation has life in it. I'm speaking like where I'm from. If you don't start to sound like heaven, don't wonder why nobody around you is having the life change to follow Jesus. Well, I've been praying for him. Okay, fantastic. You've been talking about life in front of him? What good does it do you to pray for someone if whenever you are around them, all you're doing is speaking death and destruction and speaking sadness and desperation and the world's falling apart and this is happening and this is happening? Listen, pray for somebody, of course, but when you are in their presence, speak so that they want to be from where you're from because your prayers do a lot, but your words declare where you're from. And we've got to learn to live that way. The look of the kingdom, continuing on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, foreigners and exiles, remember, we're not from here, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You are a foreigner and an exile. The address of your heart and soul was relocated the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Live like it. Good deeds 
Jesus was moved with a compassion. Let me tell you something. People want to have big events where we can get our paper and our name in the paper. People want to see big events, right, that we're doing big things to serve people. Let me tell you, the number of miracles that Jesus did among big things, among big groups of people, is small. Jesus did the most miracles one-on-one. In fact, half of those one-on-one miracles, he looked at them and said, now don't tell anybody what just happened. Because it wasn't about creating a name. It was about that person. It was about that moment. It was about that miracle right then and there, that one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. His actions showed it. We heard this great quote this week from Monica Pankratz. It said, you can't train people by rubbing their face in it. She was talking about how a lot of times when people would train their dogs, if a dog, you know, had an accident in the house, that they would rub their face and try to convince them to not do that anymore, which is not the best thing in the world to do. But she said, we're basically, think about this. We're spending so much time rubbing people's face in their sin and in their failures and in their mistakes. That's not how you train people. You can't train people. You can love people. You can show people grace. You can meet their need. You can tell that person who's broken and hateful and ugly, let me help you buy some groceries this week. Let me pay for your cup of coffee. Let me, do you need somebody to watch your child while you're going through something? Do you need a break? How can I live out the kingdom of heaven here on earth? Do I sound like and do I look like where I am from? Do you look like where you're from? I know everybody's super quiet right now, and I'm just going to roll with that and not worry about it. But listen, it's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance, not the condemnation of God. Let me tell you something. Condemnation didn't lead you to an altar at some point to get saved. It was the power of the presence of God letting you know that you were loved even in your most imperfect, disgusting, falling apart moment that brought you to repentance. So your displeasure with someone's sin is not going to draw them to Christ. You just got to love them and remember where your hometown is. Our hometown takes everybody. Our hometown is full of ragamuffins. Our hometown is full of people who were homeless because their souls had no place to rest until they found our hometown. We were full of people who never experienced the shade of the shadow of his wings. We were, we were a, ho- a whole city, a whole kingdom full of people who never experienced what unconditional, what love was until we started to walk these streets with this Savior who let us know that this place where you are really from, where your soul was from, this, this is where I adopted you into this family. I adopted you into this moment. And here you are loved and here you are accepted and we'll worry about the rest of it as we go. But for right now, let's just get you home. Let's just get you home. Our words and our actions and the way we look and the way we sound, we need to be leading people home, not pushing them away. If your home is too pristine to let anyone in, it's not really a home. We, we try to live life like our grandma's old couch, the one that she got brand new. My granny never had nothing growing up, so when she finally got a house and she got this pretty pink couch... She put that plastic stuff on, the, on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you got it in your house, no shame. I'm saying, I just, as a, little, as a little girl in the summer up there in Missouri, just remember my legs sticking to it on the couch, right? My cousins and I laughing, lifting it up secretly, sitting on it, and then putting it back down, right? Look, 
your life is redeemed, it's supposed to be messy, okay? If, you're, if your couch, if your life doesn't have some stains on it, look, you're not fooling nobody. You just steam cleaned it. But them stains come back to the surface eventually. <laughs> so listen, quit living your life like you're some heavily protected, perfected, already got it all together type of thing covered in plastic and bubble. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't get too close to you. No, listen, honey, sin is not contagious. We all have sin. And the only cure for it is the accepting love of Jesus Christ. And it's our job to show it to people. It's our job to invite them into our lives, to sit on our also messy, broken couch. It's our job to invite them in to experience that you can live in an imperfect world, in an imperfect life, with a perfect Savior who loves you no matter what. And welcome to our hometown of broken people who serve a perfect God. And I'm thankful that that's where I live. Pastor Grant who I always love when he speaks because let me tell you one of the reasons that I bring my kids there is because they speak on the power of the local church. And they tell kids, Youth America is not what it's about. Your city, your school, your church is what it's about. And he made this little statement. He said, he said he didn't abandon the world. He left the church. God didn't abandon the world. He left the church. He left us here. And he told this story, and listen, for those of us who've grown up in church, and most of my kids have been in church their whole life, we were like, oh, what? What? When somebody tells you a story from the Bible that you've heard a million and a half times, and they tell you something new about it, you're like, oh, my word. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Or as my girls right here do, they were like, ooh, Okay, okay, as they did, okay, all right, right, like in sync, when something would be good, they'd be like, oh, he told us the story of the Good Samaritan, which you've all heard before, right, yeah, I won't take it for granted that you have, the story of the Good Samaritan, you got a guy who gets beat up, he's in a ditch, he's just stuck in a ditch, and a priest walks by, code for church people, church people walk by, and they're like, mm, just got to church, got my holy on, can't really have that messed up. I'll check you back later. And he keeps on walking. And then a Levite walks by, code for another church people. And he doesn't just walk by, he like crosses the street and walks on by, right? And then the Samaritan. And the Samaritans, the reason that Jesus chooses a Samaritan is so important the fact that he says it was a good Samaritan is important because Samaritans were considered the lowest of the low. They were way below in this hierarchy of people in this time. And so when he says a Samaritan, he's making a very significant point. A Samaritan comes by and sees him and has compassion on him. And he picks him up, he bandages his wounds, he takes care of him. And then he puts him on his own donkey, and he takes him to an inn. And as he gets to the inn, he looks at the innkeeper, and he hands him money, and he says, look after him. When I return, I will make sure that you are paid more whatever it costs. Look after him. And as he was speaking, we were like, okay, we heard this story before I get it, right? Who were we supposed to be? The Samaritan, right? We're supposed to be the good person, right? And then he lays it on us, and he says, no, guys, you, what I found is, is that 
we're not the good Samaritan in this story. Jesus is the good Samaritan. You see, he comes, finds people in the ditches, picks them up, bandages them. We're the innkeepers. We're the innkeepers. See, Jesus picks up the broken and bandages their wombs, and then he brings them to our churches. He brings them into our lives. And he says, look after them. Listen, come on, y'all can clap for Pastor Grant. It was good. Listen. Look after them, and he gives us the resources that we need in our life to care for them, and he promises us that at the moment when he returns to this earth, we will receive even more than it could have cost us to care for those that are in our care. Listen, we are in keepers. This, we have, Jesus has come down from heaven, and he's established the kingdom of God here on this earth. And how did he establish his kingdom? By planting churches all around this world to be ends of safety and safekeeping and wellness for people who are broken. And not only that, but it's not about the church, it's about you. You are an innkeeper. In you are the resources of the kingdom of God to look after whoever God puts in your path. Look after them. In my hometown, we look after them. In my hometown, when you're hungry, I feed you. In my hometown, when you're sick, I take care of you. In my hometown, when you're broken, and embarrassed and ashamed, I take you in and I protect you and I stand guard for you and I tell other people, you can step off. You're not welcome here today. I'm protecting them. They're in my space. They're in my home. Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful that there were people in my life when I wasn't doing right who got in front of me and said, she's a part of my family. I'm protecting her. I'm covering her. I knew that my father and my mother covered me and said that I am under the authority. She is under my authority. And there are so many people walking around here who have no covering. They have no home. Their soul has no shade. Look after them. That's our only job. Our job is to fix them. Our job is not to tell them what they're doing wrong. Our job is to look after them. That's what my hometown was built for. In Luke chapter 17, as we kind of wrap up today, verses 20 and 21, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Rep your hometown. Bear its attributes. Sound and look like you're from heaven. In that very first scripture we read, it said that the church is the fullness of him. And I'm tired of being full of other stuff. I'm tired of being full of the world. I'm tired of being full of negativity and fear. Listen, that's not, where, that's not him. I want to be full of his fullness. I want to sound like and I want to look like heaven. He didn't abandon the world. He left the church. We need to quit living like God abandoned us here in the middle of some desert island that's full of, oh, I just can't wait till God comes back. I can't wait till God comes back. He already came. 
He already came. Listen, we're going to be like the Jewish people who were waiting for a Messiah, who were waiting for a king to come down and take a throne. They were waiting for a God to take a physical throne and sit and rule them like an army from the Old Testament. And while they were looking, saying, God, come, we want you to come and be king, there was a man named Jesus riding in on a donkey, walking in, healing people, loving people, touching people, showing them mercy, touching the lepers whose flesh was falling off of them, touching and hugging the demon-possessed, sitting next to a Samaritan, to a woman in Samaria who had had six husbands and five husbands and another man with her. So while they were busy looking for a God to come and be a king on a throne, there was a God coming in saying, I don't know what y'all are looking to, but from my hometown, where I come from, the kingdom I come from, the God I serve is about this life. So you can look, but he over here. And while we get busy condemning the world, waiting for this world to end, we are missing those that we are supposed to be looking after. This whole week with our young people, I was talking to somebody about their testimonies. And let me tell you, there's some powerful testimonies in this room from young people. I didn't ask all of them to come and share it because I feel like that God is doing a continuing work in their life. And I want to protect it. I'm just being honest. I want to protect some of the things that God's doing in them. But this week as I read these little notes that they do every year, they have the kids fill a little sheet about what's the work that God did in your life this week and then write a letter to your youth pastor. And um, there were things like, this week God gave me my prayer language. I had more young people imparted and implanted with the, the presence of God so strongly with the Holy Spirit that they began to speak in tongues than I've ever had before on a trip. And I'm wary of that because I don't like crazy emotionalism and I don't like people to go over the top or put pressure on young people. But the whole, like Josiah said, he said we could feel the Holy Spirit this week. The Holy Spirit was so tangible and real that young people were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were notes on there that said, I feel like my depression is almost gone. There were young people who felt a sense of God opening them up, opening them up. Where they had felt alone, they didn't feel alone anymore. And when I tell you not to put my boys on blast, but I have, and and I apologize to them, my boys, they have a chick youth pastor. And all the other youth groups have these really cool guys that are youth pastors, right, with, like, their skinny jeans and their flat bills, and they're, like, walking around, being all cool. And my boys, I'm like, have y'all eaten? Did y'all take a shower? Right, because they have a 35-year-old mom for their youth pastor, so welcome to life. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm sorry. This is what you got. (laughs) But let me tell you something. My young men, seeing them circle up together with their arms around each other, their heads all in, just praying for each other and loving each other. And as they were just circled and huddled up there, and I watched them, and I thought, dear Jesus, You are so good. Because let me tell you something. It's sometimes hard being a youth pastor. Not that I need a pat on the back, but let me tell you something. When you spend your life investing into kids and you only have them for a few years, and then you watch so many of them, so many walk and go down a path of destruction in their life, and you would do anything that you could to go and snatch them back. And sometimes you try. Sometimes you're like, oh, no, you shouldn't have put that on Facebook because I done saw it. I'm coming to get you where you at. Meet me here. 
Let me tell you, I've done sent out some texts and said, I'm going to be at Starbucks at 3. You better be there if you don't want me to call you, find you. And I wish I could snatch them back so much so. But let me tell you something. I saw this week and I realized and I began to see that there are going to be kids that go down a different path. But God's word is faithful. And they have experienced the presence of God for themselves. And listen, you can't get away from your hometown. It will flare up in you. The moment that crisis happens, you realize, look, I ain't been to church in like 12 years, but I'm going to call my youth pastor because I'm going to need her to pray. Yeah, I'm going to need somebody to pray. I ain't even prayed. I don't even remember how to pray, but I know some people who pray. So I'm going to call back to who? I'm going to call back to my hometown. Because who's going to take care of me? My hometown's going to take care of me. And let me tell you something. There are some young people who've come through this church, who've walked through these doors. And let me tell you, don't think we've given up on them. Don't think that I don't think about them every day. Don't think uh, we have given up on them. Because let me tell you something. This is their hometown. This is where they are from. They can't run from it. They can't hide from it. They are a part of the kingdom of God forever. And I speak it over their lives. I claim them. They are under the authority of this house. Their lives are covered by the blood of Jesus, and we protect them, and we pray over them. So I'm never going to give up. They are, this is their hometown. This is where they're from. And these young people that went with me this week, man, was I inspired. My job was so easy, as Kaylee, Pastor Prentice was talking about. I didn't even have to pray for most of these kids because they prayed for each other. They prayed for each other. Aaron said this week, I, I kept waiting for my sermon. Kept, kept waiting for my message. And if you've ever been to a conference, you know what that's like, right? You're waiting for the, the message that speaks to you. And then she said, but then I just realized that that wasn't what I was here for this week. I was here to pray for the other people that are here. And I was here just to be reminded of who God is. Your hometown. Do you sound like it? Do you look like it? Is it coming out in your accent? Is it coming out in your words? coming out in your speech? Is it coming out in the way you live? Who are you repping? I still got my north side blanket. 2007, I was the class of 2000. It's 2017. I'm coming up on a 20-year reunion. I still have my blanket. But let me tell you something. The friends that I had in high school were great. I still see so many of them. But it was the friends that I made in church who are still a part of my life. 12 years old, 12 years old, I came stumbling into this church up to Pastor Haley, who was just 18 or 19 at the time. I'll say 16 so we don't reveal how old she was. Six, <laughs> about 18. And I said, hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm going to youth camp with you this summer. <laughs> I was Youth America when I was 12 years old. I turned 35 a couple of weeks ago. For 23 years, I have been a part of this house. For 23 years, this has been my hometown. And let me tell you, I took many a detour and a trip around and, and went and visited some other cities, right? But this is my hometown. Plant your children in the house of the Lord because where they are planted, they will flourish. And while you have the opportunity, plant them so deep that when they try to move away, they can't because they're stuck in the mud. Listen, plant them so deep that they don't even know how to get anywhere else. I promise you, embed them in the kingdom of God. And for each and every one of us, I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you to stand as we pray about the kingdom of God. 
what is your hometown? Now listen, I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this message, I began to feel convicted. And I told you I was preaching at myself because I began to think of the times when I have not represented the kingdom of God well. When I have not lived like where I am from. And I began to feel convicted about that. But I know that God doesn't want me to be convicted or condemned. He just wants me to get right. So when we leave this place today, we have an opportunity to remind ourselves, as the girl is saying today, you are good, good, so good. And I am going to live a life that reflects the goodness of God. I'm not living a life that reflects anger or frustration I'm going to live a life that reflects the goodness of God. May we sound like the kingdom of heaven. May we look like the kingdom of heaven. If you know that today that there are people that God has put in your place, in your life to look after, that God has distinctly put them into your place to look after them, and you need his help to expose them to the kingdom of God. Can we just lift our hands? Because unless you're sitting in your house by yourself all day, this is all of us. And even then, the Amazon delivery guy or the pizza delivery guy is in your way. So listen, this morning, God, we stretch our hands towards heaven. And God, I just ask that you would reconnect us with our hometown. God, connect us to your kingdom. God, connect us to who we really are in Christ Jesus. Today, may we sound like the kingdom. May we look like the kingdom. May we sound and look so foreign to the world that they want to come and be a part of where we're from. Lord, today, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is where the fullness of God lies. And the kingdom of God is in our midst. And today, I ask that you would stir up praises in our life. That when we feel negative, that you would replace our negativity with the goodness of God. That when we feel frustrated, you would replace it with the goodness of God. God, let us walk out of here and be a hometown of innkeepers looking after those you have placed in our care. Let us walk out of here and be the church the fullness of you and your presence and everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen.